Before we get started with today's podcast, we'd like to take a quick moment to talk about this year's Willis Towers Watson Media Awards. Changeboard is up for HR Magazine of the Year, and we need you, yes you, to vote. To show your support for Changeboard, go to bit.ly slash choosechangeboard. That's B-I-T dot L-Y slash choosechangeboard. And register your vote now. Voting closes on Friday, the 22nd of June. Welcome to Changeboard's Future Talent Podcast, our series of exclusive interviews with senior business leaders and thinkers to uncover their perspectives on the changing world of work. My name is Karen Filfalam, and I'm Changeboard's deputy editor. Before we start, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review or rating on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcast. We want your feedback. Today, I'll be discussing digital skills and inclusion with Catherine Badley, Head of Corporate and Social Responsibility at tech conglomerate Cisco, who have just released a digital skills manifesto aimed at cutting the estimated $63 billion a year we lose in GDP through our lack of digital know-how. In this interview, we discuss how Cisco is aiming to improve the digital skills of a quarter of a million people by 2020, how inclusion is at the heart of its programs, including those in prisons and the armed forces, and how business can plan to solve future skills gaps. Catherine, welcome to this Change Board Future Talent podcast. Thank you very much. Nice to have you here. Um, I'd like to start by just taking an overall angle of the kind of digital skills agenda in the UK at the moment. So a recent House of Commons or last year's House of Commons Science and Technology report suggested that a lack of digital skills cost the UK economy an estimated £63 billion a year in GDP. Um, what can we do to improve the digital skills agenda in the UK and what is Cisco started on to help with that? So obviously we need to make that gap close. It's inevitable that almost all jobs as we move forward will need some elements of digital skills. So Cisco's created a digital skills manifesto. Um, it's a commitment we made to the UK government to say that although we've always been involved in digital skills, we'll make that step. So, so far we believe our programs in the last 20 years have trained about 240,000 people. So we said, bit ambitious maybe that in the next three years we'll make that up to 250,000. It's really critical to us though that that's everybody, all ages, um, all types of people, all skill, current skill sets. So we've got a range of programs that we've put behind that to make sure that we are inclusive and that we make sure everyone gets those opportunities. And could you give us a few examples of those sort of programs that you started to implement? Well, the existing one that's been there since time immemorial from a, a, a technology point of view is Cisco Networking Academy. That sure. starts back in 1997. So aged program from mm. Cisco's point of view, but continually updated with new and improved programs. What we introduced with them last year are some new shorter introductory programs. And for those, we've looked to other non-traditional establishments. Okay. So currently, started by the Manchester libraries, we're putting together a group of libraries who are going to deliver those courses. So not just your traditional get online and learn how to use things, but introduction to cybersecurity, introduction to Linux. So if you have some skills, you can develop them. Or if you need the basics of get online, you can start with that. We're also doing our bit as a business there with the armed forces and with prisons. So again, non-traditional ways of developing digital skills. So the armed forces have got networking academies within them. Mm -hmm. 
and we signed the Armed Forces Covenant earlier this year to make that a real commitment to work with the Armed Forces. But you can also study networking academy programmes in 20 prisons across the UK. A group of people there who are part of our talent pool in the future. Sure. Um, and we all know that if you give people the ability to earn money as you come out of prison, that that reduces reoffending. Everyone needs digital skills. Em employers are out there looking for people. That's some way that we can contribute to that particular group of society. And, and you mentioned the kind of angle of working within the prisons and the armed forces. How did those programs come about? Did Cisco reach out to the, the organizations involved or did they come to you or how did it get off the ground? Uh, both are fairly long-standing programs, mm. I have to say. Um, the Royal Signals, obviously, as a, as a team that need um, technology as the core of what they deliver, were the first people to uh, start a networking academy uh, within their group. And that's now moved on to other areas of the armed forces. With the prison service, we reached out to NOMS, National Offender Management mm -hmm. Service, it must be 15 years ago okay. now, and started talking about introducing those programs. And those prisons have been live uh, with programs now for well over 10 years. We've also got a mentoring program. So Cisco people go into some of the prisons which are reasonably close to where we have our office base and go and mentor prisoners who are making that difference and that step to come into the IT industry when they leave. And what sort of um, skills or kind of feedback do you have from Cisco employees around that? It must be quite a uh, heartwarming or, or kind of you know, professionally helpful thing to do for them. They must find it very, very kind of um, attractive as an, as an idea. Yeah, because we're not going into those places to teach technical skills. They've got people and instructors who can do that. What we talk about is the world of work. Okay. So what is the IT industry really like? Or how do you do an interview? How do you have a CV? All of those sorts of things. And we've got some some amazing stories of prisoners who, I mean, one guy, Sean, um, told me, so the first discussion I had with him mm. was, I'm only here because there's no places on the map, on the plastering course. <laughs> He's been out of prison and employed by a, an IT services company for six years now. And wow. he was described by the CEO of that company last month as the cornerstone and the linchpin of their technical team. I mean, that's an incredible difference. We share those stories internally, as with a lot of the things that we do around digital skills. And that's one of the reasons that people feel committed to Cisco, because we do these things. Um, it's genuinely part of the DNA of the company to get involved and to do these things. It makes you more committed. The, the digital skills agenda in the UK, as we've talked about, is it, there's such a lack of kind of skills available and such a gap in the productivity that we need from them. It sounds like Cisco have been working on this for, for, for many years you know, as part of your CSR campaigns. Why do you think we've, we're at this stage where we have such a kind of gap between the skills that we need and the, and the skills that people have? The world continues to evolve and to okay. change and the skills that people need continue to evolve and change. I think it's important to, that businesses do their bit in helping government and education in making opportunities real uh, for young people, so making them vote with their feet mm. towards digital programs, towards STEM um, training. And that's something that we really have tried to step up in the last few years. So we introduced um, work experience programs in 2014. So now we've got 
well over 200 young people come into Cisco offices each year for a week of immersive training. That helps them not only feel that um, you know, Cisco's out there, but we don't just talk about what we do, mm. but about the tech industry in general, and helping them to understand that not everyone um, needs to be truly technical to come and work here. We need digitally able marketers and finance people and HR professionals all to make us a rounded company. So making them make those choices and helping them see the range of roles that are available, help them vote with their feet towards uh, digital skills training and towards um, the IT industry as a career path. And you, you mentioned kind of the, the IT industry there, you know, your sector. What's your kind of response to the idea that, that, um, that female employees have been kind of left behind in STEM subjects, that there aren't enough kind of female employees in the IT sector. Do you think things are improving? What kind of steps is Cisco taking to, to help with kind of encouraging more women into the world of work? So I have to admit here to being a 20-year veteran of Cisco. <laughs> and the company that I joined is very different to the company that we have today. So I think everyone in the IT sector would hold their hands up and say, it's not been gender balanced it's it's a fact it just isn't but you know what if we look at our early and career programs our apprentices and our graduates that are coming through they are and part of how we've done that is by building that talent pool so in running programs specifically targeting girls aged 16 to 18 who are looking for work experience and they give up their own time to do it and giving them the opportunity to see those role models, to see women in technical and non-technical roles, but digitally able women working in the IT sector. And we do that and try and get out there as well. So you'll see quite a lot of our um, apprentices already in career out there talking at schools and at careers fairs and whatever else to get the message out there that um, it is a place that you can come and you can build a career. Um, and not to be sort of dissuaded by the, the stats and the figures that are out there about how many there are, but some real examples of people who are achieving. And, and why do you think that message, not specifically from Cisco, but just generally in the world of work, hasn't perhaps filtered through as quickly as people would think? Do you think the messaging has been off previously, or do you think it's just about awareness of, of what's out there? I think it's just about awareness of what's out there. Um, the perception that we have in schools when we start to talk is that we're all network engineers. Okay. So you work for an IT company. To do that, you must be a network engineer or a software developer. We know that's not true. There are a huge variety of roles. But unless you know somebody in the industry, you haven't had that exposure. And so you know, the rap, partly down to us, has been that we need more and more highly technical people. We do, and that's obviously the case. But we also need digitally able people right across the business. And that's something that we've worked harder in more recent years to get that message into schools and sending out our role models into schools at those critical points to make sure that young people, girls in particular, are considering a career in tech. And, and on the idea that, you know, you, you talked about wanting to improve the digital skills of a quarter of a million more people by 2020. How are you going to do that? What, what's the plan? How are things going? Um, so partly about getting into libraries with Cisco Netacad, so into non-traditional establishments. Um, partly about encouraging those young people to come into Cisco um, and do work experience. And that's a program where this year we've changed it slightly because... 
we want to make sure that where we've got limited resources, we're giving to the people who most need them. Okay. So we're working with Speakers for Schools and their next-gen platform because they can do something we can't. They can ask questions about the area that the school is, the type of school, whether the child's receiving pupil premium. And from that, they can tell us whether that child is a high, medium, or low need of work experience. And we can accept young people on that basis. So really targeting social mobility mm. as one of the social impacts of our program. Um, it's a program that only started in 2014. Okay. So I've got one social impact report, but of course most of them were still in school at that point. But later this year, we'll have another social impact report where we're really drilling down with the help of some primary research into the impact that we're making. The other program is working with STEM Learning, who are, again, the experts in curriculum and schools and education, to give us the expertise we know need to put our interesting, fun, Internet of Things content into the real curriculum. So instead of it being seen as an add-on, putting it into, so you can now do a Little Big Futures program, which is our program with okay. STEM Learning, um, as part of your science, as part of your maths, as part of your DT. So trying to show children in school real examples, and we use fire safety in the current iteration of resources. So either an hour's lesson or five hours lessons, to really get them engaged and see real world examples of how maths makes a difference, how DT makes a difference. So trying to give exciting real examples to children still in school and that's targeting years seven to nine, so quite young in the education system. Yeah, and, and it's, again, it's about kind of business partnering more with education, isn't it? And, and being more involved at that earlier level and, and showing the practical applications of the things that people are learning. And it's about us leveraging that expertise that's out there in what you might call the third sector, mm. so various other organizations. We know the business. We don't always have the right knowledge to truly get that to the heart of the UK curriculum. Therefore, we use Speakers for Schools, STEM Learning, Spark, who are the Hounslow Education Business Partnership, and others to help us hone what we know to make it really relevant and really cut through what's currently in the system. And is it about kind of promoting, um, or not necessarily promoting, but giving children and giving young other people kind of an idea of what the roles available to them are in, in this kind of sector rather than necessarily particular skills? Because obviously, you know, as you said, the technological advances mean skills that you give today can be out of date within a year's time. It's about sparking an interest and, and taking people on a journey with you through their careers. It goes in two sides. So one are programs where you are learning skills, sometimes by yourself um, and sometimes um, in a group environment. There, although there will be technology skills, underpinning that there'll be those core skills that everyone needs. They'll be talking about problem solving. We'll be talking about creative thinking, innovation, teamwork. And then obviously where we bring young people into Cisco and give them, whether it's a day or a week of experience at Cisco, um, then it's about doing all of those things, but we can layer on top of that exposure to business. And what that means is that they can meet a whole range of people, and that's what we do for our work experience. Instead of trying to pin them into one area of software development or whatever, we say, if you think you're technical, here's a whole curriculum, and you'll have you know, talks and you'll have practical experiences with people who do jobs at Cisco that you've never heard of. 
and we try and find the most weird and wonderful uh, examples of people who work at Cisco just to prove the range of roles. That what are, are some of those examples? IT. I think it'd be good to, to let people know about that. <laughs> are there any particular ones that people are always shocked by or do they? Uh, no, we try and teach... Um, we do a teardown, so we get some of our designers to look at what's inside our products and why. Um, I have had people who are employed in close protection because um, we employ them like most big employers. Um, we have a lot of people who talk about social media, but social media as a business is not something that typically young people have thought about. How does it influence what we do and how we do? So we try and go across the range of, of uh, the organization because unless you know someone who works within the industry, how would you possibly know what the range of roles are that are available? And that's probably true of, of every industry. Sure. But because the tech industry moves on so quickly, some of the things that they think about as um, roles within IT are probably things that we don't employ a lot of these days. Sure. And I just kind of want to mention the, um, the Cisco Skills Manifesto that, that you launched fairly recently. Um, what are the principles of it? What's the idea behind it? And, um, and where is it going with that? What do you want to do with that? So as we talked about before, we can all see that digital skills are a real challenge for the UK. It's something we all need to work on. And we need to think that businesses can't just leave it to government or education. So this is us stepping up and making our commitment to government that we'll do our bit. We've been doing some of these programs for a long time. As I say, NetACAD has been going since 1997. Manifesto pulls everything together and along with a lot of other tech companies, we're good with a target. So for an internal point of view, it helps to align programs, it helps to crystallize thinking, and it helps us to push on and make that step change to take a program that was something locally done by a few individuals and see if that could be a national program. And that's really where Little Big Futures came from. It was a program that was run um, out of our Chandler's Ford office that we took over a period of years and now we've made it a program that can influence, I think, the last count, 70,000 young people um, will have had exposure to it from something that was run in a small local office. So it's about taking all of the programs and all of the learnings we've had over the years and making sure they really align and pull together behind a single goal. Uh, so what are the actual key points of the manifesto and what's on the actual manifesto itself? So the manifesto is um, our commitment to digital skills, as we talked about, um, but it's also about making sure that it's all ages, all areas of society, and then it brings together the programs that we've already talked about. So it, the key really is in this area of social mobility and inclusivity. So it's a way of us pulling all of our programs under that heading. Okay. And are there any other organizations that you see doing good work in this area in terms of um, social mobility uh, and more inclusion we've you know as a change board we've talked to people from kind of Barclays around their digital eagles idea we've talked to people from Capgemini around things mm -hmm. what does good look like in, in any other organizations that you've seen you know it's one of those things I think that is currently on the minds of quite a lot of uh, of our peers and perhaps our competitors too um, I've spoken recently to the Bank of England you know who we all see in one sort of perception, but we don't think about what actually goes on in there. Um, I know that their work experience is doing great work to try and expose more people. Um, you know, people like Google, you've talked to, you've already talked to Barclays. I mean, Digital Eagles is an incredible program um, about trying to get that inclusiveness and trying to get that open to all message out there. So I think there are some amazing examples. I mean, BT have got a huge history in driving change 
um, within the education system with some great programs um, there. And they start at primary level. And okay. that's not something always that we as businesses are able to scale to. Um, but they have managed to to drive that program into primary education. And on the wider area of kind of the future of work, what kind of skills is Cisco looking for at the moment? How are you kind of ensuring that the organization is future proof and is basically ready for the, the technological change that's coming? Yeah, as I said, we're not all technical, but as a company, mm. every single role here has to be digitally able. Everything we do is online, the way we collaborate, the way we work today is very virtual. So it's critical that we have the skills that uh, enable that. If we look at what we're looking at for our apprentices, they're the very youngest people who come into Cisco, generally 18 um, and over. Um, this year's recruiting has looked at starting from a position of gamification. Okay. Because what we're looking for is potential. As you say, if we if we stuck to looking just for what qualifications did you get from which um, organization, then we're looking at history. What we want to know is you have to have the basics, mm -hmm. um, but after that, do you have the potential to go on and be an amazing um, worker and collaborator for Cisco? And do you have a passion for technology? Because whatever else you do here, you're going to need a passion for technology. Within the organization, this is really is an organization with a lifelong learning culture. We all have to continually update our skills. There's a huge investment from Cisco in learning and development um, that enables that. So whether it's a structured program like our apprenticeship and our graduate programs, or sort of bite-sized learning, um, that's available to our sales organization or our developers, everything is open. And you know what, it's open to all of us. So I can dip into those sorts of programs just as well as any other employee. And that's a good point to, to go to the kind of more personal angle. So you, just, you know, obviously we've only been at Cisco for 20 years. I know. <laughs> <laughs> where the time goes. I mean, what first attracted you to the organization all that time ago? I know it sounds strange, doesn't <laughs> it? And uh, I do usually caveat this with, I never intended to stay. <laughs> and I've worked across two continents. So I started work with Cisco in Australia. At that time, it was the entrepreneurial nature of the company. It was the um, access to what looked like a new and growing um, area of IT. Um, I started with roles, so my background is in marketing. I've done quite a few years for Cisco. But if we think about what kept me here, it's the ability to work on the type of programs that I do today. So I'm very lucky. I think I've got the best job in Cisco. I get to use Cisco's resources, talent, people, and commitment to help change people's lives. And there's not many jobs when you right. get to do that within a corporate environment. Um, so I think that's the, the key here. We've got amazing people and the skills and commitment. And it genuinely is part of our DNA to be involved in these programs. So we know that it's the right thing to do. It doesn't take a genius to work that out, but actually the business believes in it as well. So invest in CSR programs. And that's what keeps me here. And then perhaps finally, you know, over those 20 years, what, what's been some of the biggest changes in the organization you've seen? What have been some of the biggest successes? You know, what, what, what stands out for you over those 20 years? I think the whole nature of the business has changed in that time. Um, technology has come and gone, and we've, we've moved on as an organization. I think today's organization is much more agile in lots of ways, which to say 
you can imagine how much bigger it is than it was in those days, is amazing. But we now have the technology that enables us to come together and work virtually much more easily. So we're less, less tied to place um, than we've ever been. So it gives you access to the best people around the world. I've run global teams in, sure. in, in my time at Cisco. So we can now pull together lots of expertise to look at a problem and then it disperses and we go on to the next problem. So I think when I think about starting back in 97, we were running just to keep up in those days. Today, we're able to really look at societal problems and bring our resources to bear on that and then disperse and look at something new. We've got a team who've been looking at how technology can impact flooding. Very real problem for us in the UK. Um, and if you think about it, there must be a technology solution to part of it, at least. I know part of it's probably digging holes or whatever, but there's got to be technology solutions in there. We've got people looking with one of our partners at saving rhinos. You know, how do you reduce poaching? That impact of technology is not something we dreamed about. Um, 1999, we came out with a strap line that said that Cisco changes the way we live, work, learn, and play. But we didn't have a huge amount of evidence at that time. Now it's that impact of technology is very real for all of us. Not all of it, Cisco technology, but just the impact that technology can have on life. That's got to be an exciting place to work. How would you have developed your own digital skills over that point? So I've taken various courses. I've done things. So I come from this as a maths graduate. Mm -hmm. Um, not that what I do today necessarily relates to that, but what that taught me was logical thinking and problem solving, and that's been a massive part of my career. I, interestingly, I'm now on one of those short courses. You can't write about it for too long, can you, without thinking, I wonder if I could do that. <laughs> so I am now five hours into introduction to cybersecurity, and I'm geeky enough to love it. <laughs> I'm having a great time. But it's not necessarily that I see my future in cybersecurity, sure. but just as an individual, um, we're surrounded by challenges in that area. I thought, well, if I understand a bit more about it, it's a relatively short course, it's 15 hours long, something you can tackle in your own time. Um, then hopefully that will make me better for me, for my family, at spotting what might be future challenges. Thank you, Catherine, for joining us this Changeable podcast. No, thank you very much for having me. Thanks for listening to this Changeboard Future Talent podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe and leave a comment on iTunes, SoundCloud or Stitcher. Check out more stories like this on www.changeboard.com or follow us on Twitter with the handle at Changeboard. We look forward to bringing you another Future Talent podcast very soon.